Welcome to another episode of Men's Bible Study. Today, Dr. Justin Hillhouse joins us to continue our series, I Fix Stuff, What I Break, He Fixes. Dr. Hillhouse will cover the importance of making hard decisions and the fact that these decisions don't just affect us, but the ones around us as well. Now, let's hear from Dr. Hillhouse. All right. Man, y'all give John Mark a hand for opening up this morning, yeah? Huh? Guys, if you have your copy of God's Word, open it up, turn it on. We are in 1 Kings chapter 14. 1 Kings chapter 14. And we're going to look in verse, or I'm sorry, 1 Kings chapter 12. 1 Kings chapter 12. Uh, sorry, it's not 7 o'clock yet. So uh, 1 Kings chapter 12, verses uh, 1 through 14. And just uh, real quick, as, as we begin today, uh, I'd like to talk to you just a little bit, maybe about something that, that I went through uh, literally 10 days ago, and actually I'm still going through it, but really at, at, at the core uh, of the issue is simply this, is that we go through life and all the time we are making decisions, are we not? We're making decisions and some of these decisions in our lives, they can be noticeably hard. They're noticeably hard. There are other decisions that we think, okay, are small decisions, but they have a ripple effect in our lives. And every decision that we make and that we even think is about us, not only just affects us, but it affects those around us. And so we're constantly being faced with decisions, with choices, and those decisions that we make, the choices that we make, have a ripple effect, not only in our lives, but also to those around us. Um, last week, my wife and I went on a vacation, and it was the first time we went on a vacation together since we've had kids all alone, and it was going to be awesome. And the first day we're there, my wife has, uh, this happened last Saturday, uh, my wife had a medical emergency. And uh, some of you have heard about it, some of you haven't. Uh, I'm going to spare you the details, but at the end of the day, um, we had to make, and I had to make some very hard and tough decisions. But not only did I have to make some hard and tough decisions, the decisions that I had to make affected directly my wife. And so in the throes of making all these hard and tough decisions, all that I wanted to do was just get home, right? I was like, hey, look, throw on the plane, let's get home. But that, that wasn't going to happen. And so there were hard and tough decisions that I had to make in order to get us back here and back home safely. And every decision that I made, I had to put her first. And guys, that was hard. That, that was tough. And in order to do and to accomplish the goals that we needed to accomplish, but unfortunately, I had to make the hard calls on. In order to do that, I had to make some phone calls. I had to call people, I had to call experts, I had to call friends, I had to call family, I had to call doctors. I had to make all sorts of phone calls, but most of all, I had to turn to Scripture. And I'll tell you this, just kind of through the whole thing, and even today, I turned to Psalms chapter 4. 
And every night before I go to bed for the past 10 days, I've turned to Psalms 4 and read Psalms 4 verse 6. Just to remind me that the Lord is in charge and He is the one that is going to give you peace and He is going to give you rest. David Russell said this. He said, the hardest thing to learn in life is which bridge to cross and which bridge to burn. And for us guys in our lives, the decisions and the choices we make, there are some that are blaring in front of us and they are hard. And then there are some that we just kind of make the decision and we go on with life. But we really don't think about them affecting those around us as well. And so when you look at 1 Kings chapter 12, verses 1 through 14, there's this dude named Rehoboam. And he has just become king of Israel. And so Rehoboam comes right after his father, Solomon. So in Israel, we have several kings. You have King Saul and then you have King David. Okay, And then after King David, you have his son, Solomon. And then after Solomon, you have his son, Rehoboam. And for 80 years between David and Solomon... Israel is growing. Israel is growing in power. It is growing in stature. It is growing in wealth. Under David, people are worshiping God. Under Solomon, the whole nation nation flourishes because of his wisdom and his guidance. But it is because of some of Solomon's choices that God says, hey, listen, because of what you have done, I'm going to split the kingdom, but it's not going to be under you. It's going to be under somebody else. And so with Rehoboam finally being coronated, his father dying, Solomon, Rehoboam is being crowned king. It is when he is crowned king that the people come before him and he is faced with a major choice. And it is this one decision that Rehoboam makes that ultimately weakens the kingdom, it weakens the nation, and it throws really Israel into a tailspin for many, many generations. It is one simple decision. So in 1 Kings, starting in chapter 2, we are starting in chapter 12, starting in verse 2 and 3, It says this specifically in verse three, it says, so they sent for Jeroboam and he and the whole assembly of Israel went to Rehoboam and said, so there's this dude that shows up in Israel and they all go, all the elders, they go to Rehoboam, the newly crowned king. And this is what they say in verse four, your father, who is Solomon, put a heavy yoke on us, but now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he has put on us and we will serve you. In short, the people came to Rehoboam and they said, we're tired of the high taxes. Do y'all like high taxes? No. Okay. They said, we're tired of the high taxes. We're tired of the hard life. We are tired. Will you please give us just a little bit of relief? And so in verse 5, we see this. Rehoboam answered, he said, go away for three days and then come back to me. So the people went away. I love this because this is a great thought. And here's the first thought today. And that's simply this. If you have a decision to make, delay it. Okay. If you can delay a major decision, 
Do it. If you can delay a major decision, simply do it. Go away for three days and then come back to me. Rehoboam does a very smart and wise thing. He told the people, he said, listen, go away, leave me and let me think about it. Let me weigh the options. He did not make a decision right then and there. Proverbs 16, 13, to answer before listening, that is folly and shame. And scripture is full of advice, teaching us, telling us to simply wait. In our society today, we get used to making decisions all the time, right? Used to decisions. Amazon is the worst for that, right? Because you get on, you start scrolling through and all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I'll take that. I'll take next thing you know, you're a thousand dollars into the deal, right? Y'all with me on that? But we're used to making these split second decisions and we make them all the time. You know what? Not every decision has to be so fast. We train ourselves to just simply think, I got to I got to make this decision now when the reality is you don't have to make the decision now. Take a step back. Take a deep breath. Wait for just a moment. Say, you know what? Let me think. Let me think about that. Is this something I really need to do? Is this something I really need to think about? Just take time to step back. And ask yourself this question. Do I have to make the decision now? My kids hate that. They'll come to me, Dad, Dad, I won't go play airsoft this Saturday. And what do I say? Go ask your mother. He go ask his mom. What does mom say? Go ask your father. He comes back. Mom said to ask you. And then I'll say this. Well, let me think about it. Dad, I'm just going to play airsoft. Well, I know. Dad, it's going to be awesome. Well, I don't care if it's going to be awesome. I got to look at what's going on this weekend. Give me a second. I'm not saying no. I'm not saying yes. All I'm saying is simply give me. But dad, my friends want to know. I don't care about your friends. I got to look at my schedule. I got to look at our schedule. I got to look at the family schedule. There's more here than just you. And so... We don't have to always make a decision right then and there. And Rehoboam does a smart thing. Go away for three days and then come back to me. Look at what Scripture says in Psalm 27, 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Hey, just simply wait. Psalm 37, 7. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. And do not fret when people succeed in their ways or when they carry out their wicked schemes. Augustine said this, patience is a companion of wisdom. Patience is simply a companion of wisdom. And so Rehoboam makes a wise decision by simply saying, I'm not going to make the decision yet. Give me three days to think about it. Let us get out of the habit of having to think or even feel that we have to make a split second decision all the time. And this kind of leads us to our second thought, which is this. Seek wise advice. Seek wise counsel. Uh, In verse 6, if you continue to read this story, it says this. This is great. Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who had served his father Solomon during his lifetime. How would you advise me to answer these people? He asked. They replied, If today you will be a servant to these people and serve them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. But Rehoboam rejected the advice of the elders 
gave him and consulted the young men who had grown up with him and were serving him. Verse 9, they asked him, what is your advice? How should we answer these people who say to me, lighten the, lo your, lighten the yoke your father has put on us? The young men who had grown up with him replied, These people have said to you, Your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make your yoke lighter. Now tell them, My little finger is thicker than your father's wrist. My father laid a heavy yoke. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions." Wise counsel never tells you what you want to hear. Wise counsel never tells you what you want to hear. Wise counsel always gives you the advice that you need that is best for everyone involved. What is the best for everyone involved? Wise counsel does not just look at your issues and take your issues into consideration, but rather wise counsel looks at the big picture and how this decision will affect others. And really, here's what's facing Rehoboam, is he has the opportunity to either be selfish or unselfish. He has, at the root of the issue, Rehoboam has the decision, has the choice of either I can be selfish and get what I want, or I can be unselfish, and maybe I have to sacrifice a little, but everybody wins. And we see two different ends of the spectrum, okay? First, there are those that advise him from Solomon's era, okay? These are the old guys. These are the guys that have been around for a while. They've seen some stuff happen. They have more experience. <clears throat> and... They advise Rehoboam to lighten the load, to ease the taxes, to ease the labor, and to let the people rest. Look at what they say in verse 7. They replied, if you today will be a servant to these people. And then look further in verse 7 when it says, they will always be your servants. If you serve the people, then guess what? In return, they will serve you. If you today will be a servant to these people, the decision he has to make is not whether to lighten the load, it's whether am I going to have the attitude of being a servant. The root of the issue is not how deep the coffers are. The root of the issue is not how fat the storehouses houses are. The reality is, the root of the issue is, is are you going to choose to serve the people or not. The nation has served your family. Now it is time for maybe you, king, to sacrifice a little bit and to serve the people. In every decision that we make, gentlemen, in every decision, we are choosing whether to serve others or to serve ourselves. And sometimes we make some very selfish and small decisions. And these small, selfish decisions tend to add up over time and they just begin to compile and then things get worse and worse and worse. These men, these older gentlemen said, today, if you choose to serve the people, 
then they will serve you. But then you look and see what his friends say. And look there in verse 10, the young men he had grown up with replied and they said, these people have said to you, your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make uh, our yoke lighter. Now tell them, little, uh, my little finger is thicker than my father's wrist. That is a tough statement, is it not? My little finger is thicker than my father's wrist. They cared nothing for the people. As a matter of fact, they only cared for themselves. They only cared for what the king wanted because whatever the king wanted, they were going to benefit from it. You know why? Because they're buddies, they're friends. The king is going to look out for them. If you look there in verse 8, it says this But Rehoboam rejected the advice of the elders, gave him, and consulted the young men who he had grown up with him. And were serving him. These guys that were consulting, these young men that were helping Rehoboam try to make this tough decision, guess what? They had a dog in the fight. Because they, they knew if Rehoboam had lightened the taxes, he knew if the people kind of started backing off and easing off the people, then guess what? They were not going to gain uh, as much riches. They might be affected by his decision. And I love this in verse nine. He asked them, what is your advice? And then he says this. How should we answer these people? He goes to the elders and he says, hey, what should I do? And the elders said, this is what you should do. In other words, this is your decision because you're the king. But what does he do with his friends? How should we? In other words, how is this going to benefit us in our small little Circle. How should we answer these people? At the end of the day, it is not them that have to respond. It is the king alone that has to respond to the people. He is the one that is going to answer. And yet Rehoboam says, hey, how are we going to do this? What should we say? Notice the question that Rehoboam asked. He asked the elders one question. How would you advise me? And then he asked his friends, what should we say? What should we tell them? Jeremiah 17, 5. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh and whose heart turns away from the Lord. First John 3, 17 and 18. If anyone has material possessions and see his brother or sister in need and has no pity on this, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, do not let us love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Proverbs 21, 13. Whoever shuts his ears to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered. Proverbs eleven fourteen. For the lack of guidance... A nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. Rehoboam asked the elders. Rehoboam asked the young, his young friends that were with him. He didn't even make a combination. He didn't even say, well, let's, let's make a... He just, he just chose, as we'll find out, to go in one simple direction. There are four ways you can know that you're, going, you're getting wise counsel. There are four ways you can know you're getting wise counsel. Here's the first way. There's always encouragement to keep moving forward. 
When you go and you turn to others and you ask their advice, they are going to encourage you to keep on moving forward. And here's how they do that. They say, hey, listen, go talk to this person. They might know more about your particular situation. They might say, hey, go to, res- go to a certain resource or listen to this person or read this book. They are going to encourage you to keep on moving forward and to pursue a good Answer The second way is by they encourage you to grow. They encourage you to grow. Not only do they encourage you to move forward, but they encourage you to grow and to find out not only more about a particular situation, but also how is this going to make you better? How is this going to bring honor to God? How is this going to strengthen your faith? The fourth or the third reason is, is, is they don't let you go alone on the journey. They don't let you go alone on the journey. Uh, They'll stay with you the whole step of the way, wanting to be updated, wanting to know what's going on, trying to help in any possible way. They will walk with you step by step. And then fourth and finally, they they always think about those that are affected by the decision. In other words, they don't just think about you, but they think about those that are affected around you. An old African proverb says this, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Wise counsel always encourages us to move forward, to find opportunities to grow, to find others to journey with us. And also they encourage us to look at those around us. For some of us here in this room, we've made a lot of decisions and we haven't thought about those around us. You know, that decision after work to maybe go to the bar and, and, and drink, you know, that, that decision affects your family. You know that? That small decision affects, and you do that enough. Guess what? Something's gonna happen. That, uh, that girl there at the office that you keep on maybe flirting with, <laughs> that decision over and over, guess what? That, that affects your marriage. That affects your marriage. And it's just a little bitty small. For, for most of us, we have a few big decisions in life. But it's that small decision that we keep on doing over and over and over again that is eventually going to catch up to us. And maybe you need some wisdom in that. You might be dealing with some little bitty stuff that continues to compile and build up. And eventually it's going to turn into a major decision. Have you thought about that? It's just going to turn into a major decision. Um, when you look in James chapter 3, verses 13 through 17, it talks about wisdom. And here's what it says in verse um, 17. It says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good, good fruit, impartial and sincere. You see the difference between the advice given between the elders What did the elders say? Hey, this is good for the people. This is what is about the people and the advice that we get, the wise counsel that we need to seek and go after are those 
that want peace, those that are considerate, those that are submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Uh, when we were going through our issue, uh, and we were out of the country. There were some phone calls that I made. And I'll tell you, some guys told me some stuff that I really didn't like. I'll tell you. And I told them that I was like, I don't like that. And they said, you're right. But I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you, this is what you need. to. If you want to be able to do what you need to do, this is what you have to do. And they said, it is good, not for me, but for her. And I went, okay, well, if I truly love my wife, then guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to do what's best for her and not for me. All of a sudden, I'm having to be, I have to become the servant. And then there were some people that had no clue what they were talking about. What was interesting was, is you began to see that real quick in my conversations with others. And so at the end of the day, of course, I know y'all are wondering, did y'all make it back? Yeah, we made it back. Can you see? <laughs> and you're not going to the finisher's class? No, I'm not going to the finisher's class. <laughs> For sure not going to the finisher's class. Uh, the, that was funny. You totally threw me off my game. <laughs> Yeah, I know it is hard. Well, actually, it's easy. Squirrel. Uh, God, you know, there, there are guys out there that, hey, they, they looked out not for me, but they looked out for us. They looked out for us. They looked out for my family when I called them. They looked out for my wife and they said, here's what you need to do in order to, to get your wife where you need to be. And then there were people that the, were the exact opposite. They were very selfish. And to me, that was, that was quite the dichotomy. And it became clear quickly. In James chapter 3, verses 13 through 16, it tells us about those that are selfish, those that give advice and they are selfish in that. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show, show it by their good life, by deeds done and the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every practice or in every evil practice. You know, there are those that are giving advice because simply they, they, they might have skin in the game. They might be selfish and they really don't care. They're only in it for them. And then there are those that truly love and care for you. And guess what? They're not interested necessarily in you, but they're interested in the whole picture of you. They're interested in you, your family, your friends, those above you, those below you. They're interested in the whole picture of who you are. And so Rehoboam sought his friends and we see that he made his choice. And we see here a third and finally that Rehoboam, what we notice is that Rehoboam never asked for God's wisdom. 
Verse 12, three days later, Jeroboam and all the people returned to, Jerobo, uh, to Rehoboam. As the king had said, come back to me in three days. The king answered the people harshly, rejecting the advice given to him by his elders. He followed the advice of the young men and said, my father made your yoke heavy. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. At the end of the day, Rehoboam never went to the temple. He never talked to a priest. He never opened the word of God. He only just sought the advice of elders and his friends. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Philippians 4, 6 and 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Rehoboam never went to God. He never went to the temple. He never said, Lord, what in the world should I do? Lord, line out my steps. Lord, what can I do? What do you have to tell me, Lord? I like what Ian Bounds says. He says, I think Christians, and I quote, I think Christians so often get answers to their prayers. Do, hold on, let me repeat that. I think Christians fail so often to get answers to their prayers because they do not wait long enough on God. They just drop down and they say a few words and then jump up and forget it and expect God to answer them. Such praying always reminds me of the small boy ringing his neighbor's doorbell and then running away as fast as he can go. At the end of the day, because of Rehoboam's answer, the kingdom splits. The nation of Israel goes into a civil war and you have two kingdoms. You have the northern kingdom and you have the southern kingdom. But here's the good news is that there are decisions that we make that maybe we haven't counseled. We haven't asked for God's counsel on. We haven't asked our friends counsel. We've made some decisions they have compiled up and we might be paying the price for making a whole bunch of bad small decisions. Or we could be paying the price for one big bad decision. I don't know. I don't know what's going on in your heart and your life. But here's what I do know. Is that God has the ability to restore. And that God has the ability to fix. And that God has the ability to change what is going on in your heart, in your life, and the situation. Because if you look in Jeremiah 18, 14 through 16, it says this. However, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when it will no longer be said as surely as the Lord lives who brought the Israelites out of Egypt. But it will be said as surely as the Lord lives who brought the Israelites up out of the land of the north and out of all the countries where he had banished them. For I will restore them to the land I gave to the ancestors, to their ancestors. You know, here's what's so great is the kingdom split. And for many generations, they paid the price for that one decision Rehoboam made. But what did God say? He said, you know what? There's going to come a time when I'm going to bring everyone back to the nation, when I'm going to bring the nation as a whole of Israel back together and they will settle and they will be in their land. Now, they paid the price for generations. But the Lord, 
eventually showed up and he, and, he, and he promised. He said, I'm going to fix it. Guys, you might be in that stage right now where God is in the process of fixing. Here's what I just got to remind you. Here's what I want to encourage you with. If he's in the process of fixing, just wait. Because God's going to put it back together. Just wait and hold on. And so, kind of as we close out today, what is, what is the point? In short, the point is, gentlemen, is that every decision that we make affects others. Whether we think it does or not, there are others that are affected. So, when you make decisions, remember who it is affecting And if you need wise counsel, go and seek it out. And make sure that when you go and you seek it out, it is people that not only care for you, but they care for the whole picture of you. They care for your family. They care for your wife. They care for your kids. They care for what's going on with you. Um, Guys, and here's the reason why I've talked about this today is because, gentlemen, I've known this my whole life. But it wasn't until last Saturday that I actually really understood it. That I lived through it. And that I've seen God's hand. And I've seen what men, men that love me, what they say. And so guys, I want to encourage you, find some other dudes that are going to care about you like Some of you here in this room cared about me. Find some of those guys. And ask them, hey, give me your wise advice. What what does God say? What do you say? Because I know that you care about me. You don't just care about me personally, but you care about all of me. My whole situation. Myself, my family, my kids, my job. Go after those guys. Frazier, you have an email. That was a joke. Let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you for this day. Thank you that we could come here and that we could worship you. Uh, God, by laughing, by fellowshipping. God, we could worship you by opening up your word. God, there's some men here in this room. They have uh, some tough decisions to make. God, I ask and pray that you would help and guide them in the right decision that they would not be like Rehoboam and be foolish. Father, there are men here that have made a bunch of small decisions and there are a bunch of bad small decisions. Father, I ask that, um, that you would guide them and lead them in the way to making right decisions and that you would bring wise counsel to them, that, Father, that they would seek it out and that, Father, you would provide it. God, uh, we thank you for all that you have done for us, we thank you for how you have provided for us. God, roof over our heads, clothes on our backs, food in our bellies, God, uh, jobs to go to work too. So, Father, uh, I ask that we would just honor you in all that we say and in all, in, in all that we do. It's in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. Y'all have a great day. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to today's Bible study. For more information regarding Cottonwood Creek, go to cottonwoodcreek.org, and we hope you tune in next time for more episodes of Men's Bible Study.